0: This is the OK Outcast podcast, your home for Oklahoma political intrigue and insight. First segment of this show is why the hell should you give a shit about what we have to say? To that end, I'd like to introduce you to Chris Masterman, a dear friend of mine and my co-host on this podcast, Chris has worked in politics for almost two decades. We met in 2009 when I was running for state house, and we've been friends ever since. In the time I've known him, he's been a Democrat and a Republican, but always a moderate. A dying breed today. One of his biggest accomplishments was being part of the team that helped pass State Question 788 in Oklahoma, which legalized cannabis for medical purposes. Chris has always stood up for truth, justice, and whatever the hell else he feels like at the moment. And without further ado, Chris Masterman.
1: Thank you, Brittany. So I have the pleasure of introducing my co host, Brittany Novotny. She is an attorney and a longtime political consultant who has experience managing political campaigns in multiple states. Most importantly, She is a close friend. She was the first openly transgender person to run for office in Oklahoma. And as an attorney, Brittany made history in 2017 when she and her co-counsel secured a million-dollar verdict for a transgender woman who had been wrongfully terminated from her job as a professor. She's a true warrior, a fierce friend, and someone I'm proud to know. Thank you, Brittany. So what's going on, Brittany?
0: Hey, Chris, how are you doing today?
1: Well, I've been watching videos of James Lankford all morning, Senator James Lankford soon-to-be former senator james langford uh what have you been up to
0: oh just been uh helping people get their debts settled and uh keeping an eye on what's been going on in oklahoma politics which is wow just crazy
1: as is uh life i've actually been talking to a couple different uh legislative assistants that actually believe they are going to quit early because, you know, we've got an open congressional seat that's going to be a special two open U.S. Senate seats. And uh, just every, if you're not running for CD2, you're not cool.
0: Oh, yeah. That second district. Isn't that up uh, in kind of in the Tulsa area?
1: Yeah, it's green country.
0: Okay. Uh, how many people have announced they're running for that one so far?
1: I think we're up to eight.
0: Gee, many—that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's if that doesn't go to a runoff, um, I'm a baboon.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard to break fifty percent with that many candidates all going at once. Um which I guess leads us into kind of a nice uh, segue here as we're talking about where we see the current state of play in the Oklahoma political field. Um, I think one thing I've noticed is that in recent years, the old maxim that all politics is local is now becoming all local politics are national, um, as people have more solidified into their national partisan identities. Um, and it seems that in Oklahoma, the Democratic brand has taken quite a beating. And, um, you know, Oklahomans are generally team red these days. So it seems that all the battles really amongst Republicans more so than between Democrats and Republicans. Would, would you say that's about how you see it?
1: I would say that it's kind of House v. Senate in both cases. Uh, you, the Oklahoma House, has a very strong speaker, uh, Speaker McCall, uh, and Representative McCall is extraordinarily intelligent and strong. And then the Oklahoma Senate, we have a a weak leader. Um, and in the u.s congress i think it's a similar kind of deal uh strong speaker weak pro tem
0: yeah it is kind of that way isn't it that's very that's a very interesting observation and uh it's interesting to see how much more power uh the house has in both of these cases it seems and almost you know i almost wonder if that's because of this highly partisan identification now that you know the those who speak more strongly to their base which you tend to find more in the house um are are getting more attention than those who try to who try to be more cautious and take a more deliberative approach um
1: you know everybody in the world has always said the u.s senate is the most deliberative body in the world and uh, the saucer where the coffee cools i don't know who who pours their coffee into their saucer anymore Uh, i certainly don't (laughs) me neither (laughs) (laughs) i just wait for the coffee to cool down a little bit um, I but yeah,
0: sometimes put an ice cube in it. <laughs>
1: I do as well. I do that with my tea, too. <laughs> tea time, I don't ho- hold it promptly at four, though. But yeah, here locally, we have got so much on the table. Um, it would be almost impossible between attacking trans people, burning books, and um.
0: Don't forget outlawing abortion and making it a big felony.
1: Oh, yeah. We, how could I forget that? And then um, completely converting our school system to charter schools. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, that seems to be the goal of we should believe there should be no laws.
0: It seems to me that the public schools issue is probably the single biggest dividing line in oklahoma politics right now it's you know one of governor stitt's chief agenda items in his state of the state address this year was uh, to pass this massive quote-unquote school choice voucher bill that would have given huge tax breaks to people who send their kids to expensive private schools um, but that failed in the senate uh, a couple weeks ago and if i'm not mistaken that basically there are some mechanisms how it might be brought back but it, it's al- almost assuredly dead for the session is that is that where we're at on that issue
1: what is dead may never die <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Greyjoy. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh,
1: Zombie bills become shell bills. Everything floats around. And technically, the Senate doesn't have shell bills in Oklahoma, but they do. Um, You can borrow a title.
0: Uh, And, And because the majority makes the rules they can also suspend the rules anytime they want to right
1: yes anytime uh you can suspend the rules it's been happening less this year because the senate's tightened down a bit so it's a little bit harder you need the uh signature of the majority of the committee members and the chair uh it it, it's more complex it's harder to do but it can still be done a drop petition is always possible so do you want to talk about drop petitions for a long time because uh that's really boring yeah let's let's, talk about let's talk about weed
0: yeah let's let's talk about stuff that's less boring (laughs) than drop petitions um you know, one thing we mentioned in the in the state of play, um, you talked about the CD two race being open, um, but this is also an election year for all statewide elected offices in Oklahoma, and in this year is is a little strange in that both U.S. Senate seats uh, are looking to be on the ballot this year because Jim Inhofe has announced that he's retiring early. And so there will be a battle not only for Senator Langford's seat that you alluded to earlier, but also to fill the opening and in the remaining term on Inhofe's seat. And then we have the governor's race, which I think really is going to be where all the biggest attention is, is shined uh, between Governor Stitt seeking reelection um, and Joy Hoffmeister a very popular Republican superintendent who has decided to switch parties and run as a Democrat. Um, bold decision. Very bold. Um, it seems to me, on the one hand, I, I can understand it, being as she's a more moderate, traditional Republican and and less of a extremist, that she probably didn't feel like a Republican primary electorate would be as receptive to her. But because she's attached the D to her name in a year in which Democrats are not expected to do well nationally due to this being a midterm where Democrats hold the House and the Senate and the presidency at the national level, she's got an uphill battle. Uh, Is that Is that how you would see
1: it? Um, I would add the caveat to there is a libertarian young woman that's running. If she is able to pull off enough votes to uh, get, you know, stit into a battle there for those votes in the general, we, we might see Hoffmeister be able to pull it off. Uh, it, it, it's a long shot. It's a Hail Mary pass, but it's possible.
0: Yeah, and, and Stitt has his own issues in Oklahoma and that he has decided... Pissed off the tribes? <laughs> yeah, decided that he wanted <laughs> to make one of his biggest battles as governor be to take on the tribes and take on their sovereignty um, and to fearmonger about what that sovereignty means. So I think we also have some new battle lines in Oklahoma politics being drawn between the traditional oil and gas interests that have kind of run the state for many decades, and some of the new money flowing into the tribes, and as they've now, you know, been developing hospitals and schools around the state and rural areas and almost filling the role the state government used to play in some of these rural communities. It it certainly feels like um, the native tribes are making a little bit of a push to assert themselves and hold a little more power at the state level.
1: Well, as you probably know, I've worked in a number of tribal elections, the Muscogee Creeks, or the Creeks as they now uh, are called. Um, quick plug for Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, if anybody's listening, we'd love a sponsorship.
0: Reservation but, Dogs, I, I
1: believe. Oh, thank you. Um
0: a play on reservoir I've, dogs. <laughs>
1: it, it, true. Uh, you. I've uh, I've made an error. Um,
0: <laughs> Whatsoever oh. shall we do? Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that.
1: Scrap the podcast. This is uh, just burn it to the ground. Let's stir <laughs> our computers out the window. Uh, speaking of computers, you and I have both experienced experienced technical issues today I've been trying to uh, record screen grabs all morning and dealing with feedback how frustrated do you get do you cuss
0: at your computer I definitely do sometimes um, sometimes <laughs> I'm cussing at myself for forgetting to do something that I knew I should have done but I'm often just yelling incoherently at my computer. <laughs>
1: Yes, the string of cuss words would probably get us booted off whatever platform you're putting us on.
0: (laughs) It might. might. (laughs) Well, speaking Uh, of a string of curse words, you know, I think we'd be remiss to talk about the state of play in Oklahoma politics and how politics have become nationalized without discussing a little bit about January 6th and... Um, its connections to Oklahoma and how that could affect politics playing out in Oklahoma.
1: Um, At the the beginning of session this year, there were a bunch of people that were threatening to protest. Unfortunately, only eight of them showed up, and there were more state troopers than a drugstore jar of jelly beans. (laughs) There's a lot of people, actually, at the Capitol I care about personally, not politically, but personally care about uh, very much. And I was happy when I went in and I was trying to get to a place and I got stopped. It's it's strange to me that the Oklahoma uh, troopers were more prepared for a riot than the U.S. Capitol.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean... As we keep learning more about what happened in the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, it would seem there might have been some some intentional reasons for why um, the the president at the time didn't uh, didn't do more to ensure that the Capitol was better protected that day. And that, but that leads me into why local officials are so important and you know why we've got to look beyond party labels and pay attention to who gets into very specific positions like in many states around the country you have either a secretary of state or secretary of elections sometimes both can be involved in certifying elections and overseeing that elections are are run smoothly and above board. And in this area, this is somewhere, I, something I give Oklahoma high marks in, in that Secretary Xerox, who is a Republican, uh, the Secretary of Elections, is a stand-up guy. He's been running the election board since 2009. Oklahoma has had free, fair elections during all of that time. There's been no funny business. Uh, Oklahoma is one of a few states that has no computer voting machines. Uh, it's all paper ballots that are only counted by the computer machines. Um, so... I have
1: to quickly correct you. Um, primarily, Secretary xerox Z- is the Secretary of the Senate. He is secondarily Secretary of the Election Board. Sorry, continue after my very boring technicality.
0: No, no problem. But point being, this is a man who, you know, despite being a member of the Republican Party, is not one of the Republican crazies. He's not out there trying to throw his weight around to use his power uh, over the election board to somehow give a leg up to extremist candidates. Um, He runs a fair process and Oklahoma elections are well run. Um, And we're seeing in other states like Arizona, where uh, far-right extremists who were part of the Stop the Steal January 6th events are now trying to get installed as secretaries of state and secretaries of election to possibly make sure that, you know, in 2024, uh, that they could just decertify any results they don't like. And so I think it's important that we pay attention not just to party labels, but but, you know, if there's a good Republican in these roles, we've got to have their back and stand up for them.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, Mr. Xerox is a Republican in the most old school sense. You know, he 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 leans right in the old school way. He's a Republican like I'm a Republican. A little funny story about him. I was with uh, one of my counterparts at the Capitol and He's like, uh, Mr. Masterman, what are you up to? Uh, and I was like, eh, causing mischief. And he's like, I would suspect as much. <laughs> uh, Keep on and carry on. Like, Absolutely, Mr. Secretary. It, it was a fun exchange. He's, he's a smart guy
0: yeah and And you and I we have first hand experience here. We're not talking out of our ass you've you've been running campaigns and elections in Oklahoma for more than a decade. I've run several campaigns in Oklahoma over that time, as well as being a candidate myself, you know, all of which during you know Secretary Xerox's time at the election board and we've had some close results um you know, uh, you and I both worked on Paula Sophia's race for House in 2014. And, you know, it came down to just 22 votes. But, you know, not, neither of us felt the need to accuse anybody of wrongdoing or to question the legitimacy of the results or to not accept that, you know, part of getting into elections is that sometimes you can have all the best intentions and lose well
1: we didn't begin four weeks out that wasn't helpful
0: well exactly and you know we we're able to look at things we could have done better that would have maybe got us those extra 22 votes you know at no mm-hmm. at no point did we decide that we needed to hold a stop the steal rally or <laughs> accuse the That's the true. election board of <laughs> of having run some kind of shady operation that stole the election from us um, You know, Paula didn't like having to give a concession speech, but she did.
1: <laughs> and uh, I think it's worth noting that Sarah Palin wanted to give a second concession speech uh, when McCain conceded and the campaign manager stopped her and said, no, this is one of the most sacred things that happens in America. And I truly believe that.
0: Absolutely. The the, the thing about our, our democracy that has separated us from some other countries has been the seamless transition of power. And, you know, for years and years and years, more than 200 years, even during a civil war, you know, we had peaceful transitions of administrations. Um, we did not have um, losing parties and elections, you know, holding rallies, trying to disrupt the counting of the electoral college votes. Um, this is a, a whole new world we're now working in. And so, you know, one of my concerns is the degree to which. Many Republicans, and I know you're not one of them, but many other Republicans are adopting the rhetoric of the Stop the Steal crowd, and somewhere around... Depending on which polls you look at right now, somewhere between 65 and 75% of Republican voters say they don't believe the 2020 election was legitimate. And so I think one of the things that we're going to have to pay close attention to in the coming years in politics is the degree to which people are no longer able to accept losing and what kind of threat that could be to our system of governance Uh, As a democracy, I
1: think it's one of the greater threats to our nation than perhaps Russia and China combined. And,
0: you know, we can't even, you know, necessarily pull Russia and China out of this equation as they, you know, they have an interest in making sure that they keep that rhetoric heated up and keep America divided amongst ourselves, uh, because the more we're having to fight each other internally, the less time and attention we have to pay to the growing threats of Russia and China on the world stage. There's a group of countries called the BRICS countries, stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, that joined together more than a decade ago to start setting up an alternative to the Western IMF World Bank system. And so they started pooling their money together to create their own kind of World Bank, and they've been funding projects all throughout Africa, building infrastructure, and making inroads with various countries on the African continent um, as they start trying to assert themselves as an alternative to the West. And so I think that's something we shouldn't ignore as Americans, and we need to be more aware uh, of exactly what's going on at the world stage and how that does impact us all the way down to the local level in Oklahoma.
1: Well, I will recall an incident where I was hanging out with the uh, treasurer of the oklahoma democratic party and she was watching msnbc and they went to international politics and she muted it and she's like oh this is international stuff that doesn't matter and i and this woman is somebody who i actually respect despite the fact i had to beg her to get checks in order to pay my staff she i mean she's an extraordinarily bright woman uh, uh, who has worked in politics for a long time, but yeah, just the dismissal of like, who cares about international politics? We've obviously got to care now.
0: (laughs) More and more now than ever.
1: I, 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 uh, and I kind of felt the same way at the time, but that was, 2010 when we could afford to but no you've got to pay attention to international politics is it weird that everybody's uh, system of government works completely different than ours does absolutely you can be confused by it i i I think you have to fucking try and understand it
0: absolutely so you know i don't want to get too deep into the weeds on that but You know, if you're a listener, look into it. You're going to hear me mention it in future episodes, probably. So it's something to know about. And, you know... I, I think it's also important to note that this kind of right-wing misinformation campaign that's gone on since prior to the former guy getting elected in 2016, much of it coming from Russian uh, troll farms um, that has now been adopted by a lot of the right-wing in America, you know, this is all part of an international right-wing authoritarian movement, and they're, they're not all connected easily and they don't all necessarily hang out, but they connect via social media. They connect via um, believing in the same conspiracies and getting into the same cult conspiracy mindset. And so I think it's hard to separate out looking at Russia where it's been illegal for people to fly LGBT pride flags or China where they've made it illegal for effeminate men to be on television. So they're enforcing strict gender roles that way. I don't think you can separate out those policies from the right-wing in America doing things like the Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, Oklahoma and many other states, anti-trans kids and sports bills. These are all part of a worldwide authoritarian movement that is trying to stamp out queerness and queer rights. And if we don't recognize that, we will fail.
1: It's absolutely true. Um, And... This just bleeds into all the other issues. And I, I I know that's an entire group of people that are, I mean, being persecuted almost. You talked a, a little bit about the other day how genocide isn't necessarily just wiping out or killing a civilization by death it's also by identity
0: absolutely you know america didn't only kill native americans they also put their kids into christian boarding schools and made them you know disavow their their previous religious beliefs and accept these new christian beliefs and you know this is the same thing with um taking out queerness it's, it's not even just to kill all queer people it's to make all queer people feel like they can no longer be open because you're never going to kill all queer
1: people um i mean we should definitely not ignore things i mean everybody knows about the trail of tears which i think in american history is sort of portrayed as like oh that was a really long cold hike where people were forced to hike a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So so much more than that. Also,
0: Also, for those of you who, like Oklahoma Democrats, have for many years played the game of, well, let's just not talk about abortion rights because the courts will save us, you know, now we're starting to see the courts won't always be there to save you. And the Trail of Tears is a perfect example of that. And I think a lot of the history that's that's missing on that is, uh, I don't know how many people understand that the Cherokees and the Chickasaws and some other tribes had gone all the way to the Supreme Court to fight the Indian Removal Act, to be able to keep their homes and Georgia and Florida. And the Supreme Court agreed with them. They ruled in favor of the tribes and said the Indian Removal Act was unconstitutional. And President Andrew Jackson just decided to say, well, you know, last I checked, the Supreme Court doesn't have any military or guns or anything. So, you know, tell them good, good luck with enforcing it. And he just ignored them. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them, yeah. he said. And I think, okay. you know, it's no coincidence that that guy was the favorite president of President Trump. He put Andrew Jackson's picture up in his office as one of the first things he did when decorating the Oval Office. You know, that's not a coincidence. <laughs>
1: no, uh, former President Trump may be an asshole, but he's not a the moron we want him to be.
0: Definitely not. <laughs> um so, you know, I, I think I'd like to kind of finish up today just by saying that, you know, the state of play of Oklahoma politics, while it can be scary and, you know, while there are definite movements afoot to, you know, stamp out queer people and to stamp out reproductive freedom, you know, Oklahomans at an individual level I've always found to be good people who do care about fairness and justice generally. And we've got to find ways to connect with them on some of these issues and not be afraid to talk to them. You know, one of my greatest successes as an attorney was winning a million-dollar verdict on behalf of a trans woman in front of an Oklahoma jury. And we connected with that jury by connecting with them on the basic idea of fairness They understood that it wasn't fair for somebody who was perfectly qualified to not only be denied tenure and promotion, but to then be fired merely because she was different than other people. They understood that that was unfair, and we got a unanimous verdict. And these were not all city folks, they were mostly rural folks on our jury, because our jury pool was from the entire western district of Oklahoma, which includes like Ardmore, you know, Clinton, Weatherford, basically the whole western two-thirds of the state. So... This was not just a city jury that that found this. Listen,
1: I would concur because I think on our closing note, you took Fox viewers and this this late study results came out, and they watched CNN for thirty days, and they changed. The perspective. And I think that that's similar to your case. You give people good information for long enough and they will actually change their opinion. Don't yell at them. Tell them they're stupid. Oh give gosh, them good information. Yes.
0: yes. The, the attitude of so many Democratic people on Twitter and social media is to be so dismissive and hateful let us not fall into that we've got to keep persuading because if we stop persuading there's only one other option if we're just going to fall into partisan camps that neither side can ever compromise when both when two sides enter a situation where compromise isn't an option the only option left on the table is warfare so if we want democracy to continue if we want to keep living in a free, open, democratic society, keep trying to persuade. Don't give up the information wars. Don't just be defeated. We've got to keep persuading people.
1: I will close with, um, when Aaron and I were picking out a paint color for our house, we both knew we wanted blue. And we got a test color, which I'm sure Anybody that's painted their house is familiar with, and it was too dark of a blue, and my wife began crying. Uh, she she hated it, and I was like, "It's okay. Uh, we'll figure out another blue." And uh, that's uh, I'm 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 going to actually use that. We can figure out another blue. And Brittany, you've seen the interior of my house. Do you like our blue?
0: Really? turned out absolutely beautiful
1: yeah uh, that that was uh, several weeks of discussion deciding a paint color the stakes are pretty low you know it's a paint color but at the same time what did it take discussion talking talking it out and that's where I'm gonna end my uh, my thoughts. Uh, You got anything else?
0: I think this is a great spot to land for today. Um, You know, clearly the state of Oklahoma politics is very much in flux. This is a very big year, um, and it's important for people to pay attention. Um, We're going to be paying attention along the way with you, and we're going to hopefully bring you some some good insights and stories and thoughts on how we as— moderate and progressive and conservative and all oklahomans can start finding a way to work together again and and see each other not as enemies but as fellow oklahomans looking for ways to to build our democracy and move it forward
1: and with that follow us on twitter If you'd like to become a sponsor, please let us know. And thank you all so much for listening.
0: Yes, and thank you for chatting with me today, Chris. And we look forward, uh, we'll be back next week with more.
1: Look forward to it.